Well, I invite you to turn to our passage this morning. If if you have a Bible, uh, it's 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, or there are those, the black Bibles, which are scattered about the chairs. Uh, you'll find 2 Corinthians 10 beginning on page 968. 968. We're coming this morning to the, the final section of the book of 2 Corinthians. We've been studying through it throughout this year, and the plan is to, is to finish by the end of June, and Lord willing, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, we, we dive into the final section, so after the last couple chapters where Paul's talking about the, the gift for the needs of the saints, and now he transitions back into what is a, a big theme and purpose for the letter, which is Paul uh, having taking opportunity to defend the call of God upon his life and his work as an apostle. You might remember, here's this church that he started, but there's been great opposition uh, in particular, there are these rival, uh, critical leaders, uh, the, the false apostles, the ones Paul calls the super apostles. Uh, they've been trying to, uh, trying to take over the church and, and been extremely critical of Paul, tearing him down and, and his ministry. And, and Paul, in order to, to safeguard the church, is forced now to write and address these uh, concerns and the call of God on his on his life. And so in this final section, Paul is going to get even more pointed, even more personal. Uh, you can find him getting a bit sarcastic at, uh, at times, but, but for the greater purpose uh, of challenging falsehood and pointing uh, to the, the truth in Christ. And as we'll, we've seen throughout the book, we'll, we'll see how Paul, in the midst of it, comes back uh, to Jesus. Uh, how that really is the key to his to his ministry as an apostle, and indeed all the Christian life, uh, it's all connected uh, to the Lord Jesus at the core. Now, so let's read together chapter 10. See if as you read, you can pick up the opposition to Paul, and then how Paul responds to it. 2 Corinthians 10. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness uh, with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power uh, to destroy strongholds. We, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God uh, to take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident uh, that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so are, also are we. And even if I boast a little too much of our own authority— uh, which the Lord gave me for building you up, not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening to you in my letters, for they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. Let such a person understand that, when we, that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. 
Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, uh, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits. But we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence may, among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may be able to preach the gospel in lands beyond you, without boasting of our work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray that you would shine the light of your spirit upon your word and use it in us, that we might see the greatness of who you are in your, in your call upon our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, impact amidst opposition. Having, having an influence in places where there's a little bit of hostility. Right? It's, it's, it's a whole different story uh, to talk about being an encouragement, uh, being a blessing, being a, uh, an influence uh, among people who think you're wonderful. Uh, and, and in places where it's just happy and calm, and uh, you might remember Jesus uh, says that, that loving those who love you, even the Gentiles do that. Uh, even unbelievers are good at, at, at being a blessing to those who think they're wonderful. But it's a lot more difficult and challenging uh, to think about being an encouragement, being an influence, where things aren't so warm and fuzzy. Um, maybe, you, maybe you think about, about the place of work where God has you. Uh, and, and yeah, sometimes those places are like one big happy family and everybody loves everybody and it's calm. And Well, that's one thing, but it's a whole different story when, when the family is deeply dysfunctional and there's suspicion and, and, and gossip and maybe even you're targeted in the midst of that. And yet you know God has called you there and you want to kind of be a blessing and be a light there. That's, well, that's, that's challenging. Maybe for you, it's, it's, it's the family, your family. Uh, and, you know, this time of year, there's family picnics and family parties and so forth. And you, you think about showing up at one of those and, and it's, it's not easy. Because uh, there's mess in the family and long history, or or maybe there's uh, individuals in your family and they've they've made choices in life. They're they're on a path which is very 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 different uh, from what God uh, calls in His Word, uh, and and there you are hoping to be be a light in that place. Uh, it's a it's a challenge. 
Parents, you know that there's a very vast difference in different parenting moments. That there's the, there's the parenting moments where your kids with a big smile, Mommy, I love you, you're the best. Uh, and then maybe just a few minutes later, you're the worst mommy ever. <laughs> Different parenting moments. And yet there you are, called to, call to, call to a role of encouragement and blessing and ministry uh, in that place. So it's impact amidst opposition. Well, the Apostle Paul knows that feeling, knows that environment. And, and that's what his relationship with the Corinthians is really uh, is really all about. Here's this church that he started, uh, and here's the church that he's responsible for nurturing into, into spiritual maturity. Uh, but, but there is this complicated, messy relationship. As we mentioned, here are these, here are these rival leaders who have come in and, 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 and claimed a degree of authority, claimed that that Paul is nothing. Paul is untrustworthy. Paul is unreliable. Paul is weak. Uh, not like them. Uh, and and the and the bulk of the Christian uh, Corinthian church, uh, they, they've been impacted more recently. That they, they've reaffirmed their love for Paul, but they haven't really dealt with fully uh, this this mess and these rival leaders. And here's Paul writing to this context. Uh, it's it's Paul having to having to have an impact, having to have an influence, but things aren't simple. There's 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 pushback. There's there's hostility. There's opposition. And so here we are. We get to watch Paul from a from a comfortable distance. Uh, learn from Paul how to speak and and minister in in challenging places. Uh, but in the midst of it, we we get this. Uh, powerful look at Jesus. Right? Did, did you notice how at the very beginning of our passage, uh, Paul, Paul is, is quick to mention, uh, connect what I'm saying to Jesus. Did you catch that? Very beginning. The very beginning of this new section, uh, he, he sets the tone. Uh, verse 1, I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And he goes on. So from the very beginning, he's saying, connect what I do and how I'm acting to Jesus. That there's the core, what the, what the Corinthians are going to have to come back to. We've seen this again and again. Uh, the core of the Christian life, it's Jesus. Uh, and, and, and maybe you can already start to, start to see how, uh, how, well, ministry amidst opposition, that, that's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus coming to, to our world, Jesus coming to us, uh, and he didn't show up uh, to, to, uh, to minister to, to those who thought he was just wonderful. Right? By nature, the world rejects him. By nature, we're opposed to God. Uh, and yet, here is the Lord Jesus coming anyway uh, and rescuing us, ministering us. Right? Talk about impact amidst opposition. It's Jesus. And, and what we do, and what Paul's doing, and what we do, uh, is, is simply find ourselves connected to that Jesus. So not only do we learn uh, how to do it from Christ through Paul, but we also learn about Christ and his love for us. So let's try to work our way through the passage. There's a lot here. We'll try to just pick out some highlights and key themes. Here's, a, I think, a key theme of the first six verses 
we could summarize it this way. Impact amidst opposition. Well, lean towards gentleness with people and boldness with the truth. So you look at verse 1, and there Paul uh, gives us a peek at some of the criticism that's been leveled against him. Uh, right, verse 1, I, Paul, by the, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward when I bold toward you when I am away. He's, he's essentially quoting his opponents. Uh, this is what they're accusing him of. You can't trust Paul. He's not reliable. Just look at him. He writes these kind of bold letters, but then he shows up and he's weak bodily. He doesn't look very impressive, but also in his manner, he's kind of timid and, and he's a wimp. You, you, you can't trust this guy. Us, on the other hand, uh, we, on the other hand, we look really good. That, that's where they're headed with this. Um, but you see how, how, how this attack is on Paul, and Paul here's quoting it back to the Corinthians. And the first thing he does is say, uh, yeah, let's make sure we're thinking about Jesus in the midst of this. Right? By the meekness and gentleness uh, of Jesus. So if the Corinthians were tempted to think of Paul's ministry... Paul's gentleness with them, if they were tempted to think that that was fragility or timidity or fearfulness or, or just absolute ineffective uh, weakness, Paul says, yeah, think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. How the mighty Savior, uh, who mightily rescues, came to this world in meekness and gentleness. In fact, Paul in this verse uh, uh, quotes uh, or, or mentions the same terms that Jesus uses of himself, right? You remember that, uh, that Matthew 11 passage where Jesus talks about himself as, as being gentle and lowly in heart? Paul quotes both those words uh, in that verse 1. Well, here, let me quote the, the whole thing of Jesus because yeah, Paul is drawing us attention to him. Let's hear it right from the Lord. Jesus coming to this world in all its opposition and hostility, <clears throat> and he says to the world, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest uh, for your souls. Um, and then it's just the next chapter in Matthew where, uh, where Matthew, commenting on Jesus, says, yeah, look at Jesus. He fulfills what Isaiah promised. Uh, Isaiah promised that this one who would come, a bruised reed he would not break, and a smoldering wick he would not quench. That the mighty, mighty Savior would come, and he'd come gently uh, in order to rescue even, even sinners uh, who are enemies of the living God. Uh, that is the great, uh, the great Jesus. Uh, it, it, that passage we read this morning, that Mr. Laner read this morning from, from uh, Luke 7. Kids, do you remember that passage that Mr. Laner read? Uh, that story of Jesus going to the home of that Pharisee, and there's that woman who comes, and, and the Bible says, Luke tells us, that woman was a, was a really bad sinner. Everybody knew she was an awful sinner. Uh, and kids, did you notice how how Jesus 
and the Pharisee treat that woman very, very differently. You get the contrast there. Right? Here's this Pharisee, one who's, uh, who's known as, as religious leader, holy man. And, and right, he wants nothing to do with her uh, and thinks anybody who is of any consequence should have nothing to do with her. Uh, and yet Jesus, same person, same understanding of her background and sin, uh, treats her very, very differently. Not ignoring her sin, but seeing that in the midst of, uh, in the midst of it, right, he shows up here uh, to save the lost, not to cast them out. And he receives her, uh, and receives her, uh, her offering of love. Um, uh, there, is, there is Jesus. That, that's, that's the picture of Jesus coming and saying, come, uh, I'll give you rest. Uh, the Savior coming gently uh, and, and humbly in order to rescue, powerfully, powerfully rescue. And of course, that's Jesus' love for us, isn't it? Uh, right? In the, in the story, if you want to place your, yourself in that story, or if the Corinthians were to place themselves in the story, uh, it, 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 we, we, would be the, we would be the woman. We'd be the sinful woman. Uh, there's nothing inherent in us uh, that Jesus uh, or the Pharisee would say, Oh, wow, now that one is impressive. That one, that one deserves a place at the table because they've done all sorts of really good things. That's not you, and that's not me. Uh, so it's the marvel, the surprise of grace that God, that the Lord Jesus comes in order to save sinners, in order to rescue and welcome those who are not very lovely, uh, not be, because of his because of his love, because of his grace, even adopting us into his family. So it's that it's that Jesus, that welcome of Jesus that Paul is referring back to. Of course, this is the story of Paul's life. Paul was the notorious sinner uh, that, that Jesus could have crushed on the Damascus road uh, when, when Jesus appears to him. Had every right to judge him right there. And yet, here's the Lord Jesus coming in, in glorious splendor, and yet he deals quite gently with Paul in order to rescue him. And it's that Jesus that Paul is trying to embody to the Corinthians uh, in coming to them. Now, the, the rivals assume it's weakness, but Paul says, no, I'm, I'm embodying Jesus because that's how he loved me. But it isn't as if Paul can't be bold. Uh, it isn't as if uh, he, he's just being nice because he's really timid inside. Uh, he actually talks in the passage about uh, it, that he can be bold. And with, with, those, uh, with, with those rivals who are hardened in their sin, there is a, a boldness, a kind of discipline, probably a kind of church discipline that's going to have to come. Uh, he begs the Corinthians that they would turn from their sin uh, because he wants to arrive uh, to visit them and, and treat them gently and not have to be, not have to be bold. Uh, but but his, his lean, if you have to put it that way, uh, is, is toward embodying the gentleness of the Savior. But he does get to boldness. And he, it's an interesting contrast because you go from him talking about the gentleness uh, and the meekness of Christ to verse 3 to 6 where he talks about war and tearing down strongholds and taking captives. And, and so it's not, as if, it's not as if gentleness means like uh, we just kind of chill. Now, there, there, there's war, Paul says. 
uh, a war where there's a need to destroy and take captives. But then you read, you read carefully about what he's talking about. Uh, he first of all says that, verse 4, that the weapons of the war, uh, well, it's, it's, it's not of the flesh, right? Not of, of the fallen world. We're in this world, uh, but this battle, well, we don't wage it with, with worldly things, with worldly weapons. And then he describes uh, essentially a military siege. Uh, kids, you, you might know that back in, the, back in the ancient world, if an army was attacking, uh, then, then they would have to conquer uh, fortress cities. So the, 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 the people in the land would go inside the, the walled city, they'd close the gates, and there'd be these high walls, and so the, the attacking army would have to deal with this strong walls and, and city, and, and you basically do that attack in pieces. The first thing you do is you try to tear down the walls, tear down the fortress. And then, with the walls and fortress gone, uh, breached, you could take the captives and bring about some kind of judgment. That's essentially the stages that Paul uses here. Right? Uh, destroy strongholds, take captives, bring, bring judgment. But he's not talking about people. He's not talking about destroying people or taking people captive. Right? Yeah, because he says it's, not, it's not, not, not worldly thinking. Well, listen to what he says. Uh, verse 5, we destroy arguments, and every lofty opinion lay, raised against the knowledge of Christ to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So Paul describes this, this bold attack, uh, but it's a bold uh, attack uh, with the truth of God attacking ungodly lies, essentially. Uh, right? The, the false uh, lies about God and about God's world, uh, the twisting of God's truth that, that only poisons and destroys, uh, that corrupts God's world. Uh, that's what Paul is, is talking about attacking. Uh, he's going to boldly destroy the arguments against the knowledge of God, take thoughts captive to obey Christ. Um, the, the, the picture is there is the truth of Christ being the weapon that goes against the lies that destroy. Um, so maybe you go back to that Luke passage we read earlier, and, and you see how Jesus uh, receives that, uh, that sinful woman so gently uh, and lovingly and savingly. Uh, but he's pretty bold with, uh, with Simon the Pharisee, isn't he? Uh, he his, his, his story that he tells is kind of sharp and biting, uh, as, he, as, he, as he gets to the conclusion of it. Uh, but it's not to destroy this Pharisee, but he's seeking to destroy the lies that have poisoned his mind and he's hoping to poison uh, in others. Right? You think about his story about the two debtors and the forgiveness and the, and the love that comes. Uh, right? he's, he's seeking to, to, to take on and tear down a couple of key lies uh, that are poisoning this, this Pharisee's mind, and he's trying to spread. So the lie that the, that the, that the Messiah uh, would, would never go near sinners, uh, that the Messiah would, would, didn't, wouldn't come to save those who were, uh, who were far off, that he would only come for the holy people. That's a, that's a horrible lie about Jesus and his ministry. And here uh, Jesus takes it on with his, 
with his, his careful and biting story to just expose and destroy that lie. Also, the lie that the Pharisee believes, that Simon believes, that he's already right with God. That he doesn't need anyone, uh, a savior, to rescue him. That's going to destroy him. And Jesus' story gets right at that uh, and, and seeks to take that thought captive uh, and destroy that, that stronghold. Um, Jesus came to us, and he comes gently. Uh, but yet there's a real sense in which Jesus comes boldly to us as well. Uh, and, the, and the bold attack that he makes on us is really uh, a, taking on those lies that we're tempted to believe. Those lies that, well, we build our whole lives on them. Uh, and, and they're precious to us. They're bound up with what we thought was our, our hope and our being. Uh, and Jesus comes in to save us and he destroys, he takes all those lies away, tears down those fortresses uh, because they're killing us. As we trust in ourselves, as we trust in our accomplishments, as we, as we trust in, in the things of this world, and he tears those things down uh, in, order to, in order to rescue. Uh, and now, if, if we're really safe in Christ, all right, safe on a firm foundation because of his, uh, his, his bold yet gentle love for us, that we're secure in him, now we, we can actually minister in hard places. Right, if, if, if the Apostle Paul is, is safe in, in Christ, uh, Christ dealt gently with him, though tearing down all the, the lies the old Paul believed, but now Paul is safe in Christ. Now Paul's able to go into a hard place, ministry to these Corinthians, uh, and he's able, to, he's able to be bold about God's truth and gentle with, with people. He's able to minister like Christ has ministered to him. And of course, that's, uh, that's what God calls us to do as well. Uh, safe in Christ, uh, he enables us to go and minister like Christ does. And he, here's probably a good, it takes lots of wisdom. Uh, there's no easy answers to ministering in hard places. But here's a, here's a good Christ-like principle. Uh, lean towards gentleness with people and boldness with the truth. Now if we go on to the, the second part of the passage, 7 to 18, you could summarize it this way. Uh, boast in the Lord, not in yourself. Boast in the Lord, not in yourself. Now, boasting is a, is a big theme of these final chapters. We'll come circle back to it several different times. But here you get a little introduction to boasting in the Lord. Um, and it, it, Paul uses that language of boasting to really highlight the, the vast difference between him and these rival super apostles. Uh, it's what they're boasting in, right? Boasting isn't bad in and of itself. The real key difference is, the real key, key question is, what are you boasting in? What is your confidence? What is your security in? Uh, and, uh, and confidence, security, boasting in self, well, that only destroys yourself and destroys those around you. But a, a boast in the Lord uh, that's what, uh, what, what lives forth Christ and saves and blesses. Well, Paul then is going to talk about how that's embodied. Uh, we could kind of go through the passage quickly, the rest of it, and see a couple of key characteristics of boasting in the Lord, how it comes out uh, in, in service to others. So the first thing where it comes out, Paul seems to point, is that if we're boasting in the Lord, we use authority to build up, not destroy. 
to build up, not destroy. So we go to verse 8. <clears throat> Paul says, Even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave me, for building you up, not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. So both these false apostles and Paul claim to have a position of influence among the Corinthians, a position of authority. Now, Paul highlights one aspect. It's only Paul who actually got that authority from the Lord. Uh, but but on, on top of that, he points to the key difference, which is true Christ-centered authority is only authority that seeks to build up, never to destroy. Uh, never to destroy. And so uh, here's Paul. He comes to them. Yes, sometimes he, 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 he's bold, right? His letters that he writes to him, uh, particularly the last letter they received before this one, uh, was, was a, little, a little bold, a little severe. But Paul says here, even that was, was meant to build you up. Uh, it wasn't meant to destroy you. It was, it was meant to, it was, it was careful, it was calculated, uh, like, a, like, a, like a surgeon's scalpel. It's, it's very, very powerful, but, but precise. Uh, in order to heal. And that's what Paul says uh, he even used his boldness for. It's the, it's the false apostles who are destroyed, uh, who are tearing people down. Uh, they're, they're so eager, he says, to commend themselves, right? Because that's their boast, uh, themselves. So they're, so they're so eager to commend themselves uh, that they end up using uh, this position of influence uh, to, to destroy. And so Paul's a, a particular example. As they commend themselves, what are they, what do they slip into doing? Well, they're gonna, we're going to back Paul down. We're going to criticize and attack Paul, build ourselves up so we can, in the process, tear others down. Um, uh, and, and, and that's what, that's what that, uh, that commending of yourself, that boasting in yourself goes to. If you, if you put it together with a, with a position of, of authority, uh, it, it's, it ends up being, I'm going to build myself up by bashing others down. Uh, which, of course, is the exact opposite of Christ. Right? Think of Jesus. He's the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. No, right? No lack of authority in Jesus. And yet he shows up. Right? How does he put it? He comes not to be served, right, but to serve. To use that position of influence and authority, not to, to, to exalt himself, but he comes low in order to, in order to save. Uh, in order to save. That's our only hope as, as sinners, that Jesus would come to us, and that's exactly the hope we have. And then if you're already secure in that, uh, right, it settles the question of, of boasting, right? I don't need to commend myself. Uh, because because I have this security in, in the Lord, then I'm free to use any kind of position that God might give, any any semblance of authority. I, I'm able to use it in order to bless. I don't need to tear others down because I already have the security I have in Christ. So you might think about some of the positions that that God might have you in. Maybe it's even in some of those hard places. Uh, maybe it's in the workplace. Of, some kind of supervisory type role or, or mentoring role or influence role or, or maybe it's in, in your family as a, as a parent. Uh, maybe it's 
in the midst of the church as an as a official leader or even just a, a more mature Christian that someone might look to uh, as, a, as an example, as an encouragement. And I think of those kind of positions of, of influence, uh, whether they're official or not. How are we going to use those? Well, well, with Christ uh, taking over our lives, um, we're called to then embody what's already been our hope, to live out what we're already connected to, right? Safe in Christ, I have no need to bash others down to exalt myself. Uh, and, and, and woe to me if I try. Uh, and, and woe to you if you try. Uh, and, and freed up then, you can use that place of influence uh, never to be served but always, always to serve. Uh, and we get the strength from the very Christ we're connected to. Uh, so uh, authority uh, to, to, to build up, not to destroy. Uh, we could go to the next few verses and we could say this, don't dare to compare. Don't dare to compare. So verse 12, Paul says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, when, uh, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. So here are Paul's rivals. Their, their mission is to commend themselves, to boast in themselves. Uh, and, and in the process, what that has them doing is, is playing this comparison game. Right? right? In order to do that, they got to look better than Paul. Right? Which is why they're, they're doing this. Well, well, Paul's weak, not like us. We're going to see chapter 11. Uh, they're going to, they're going to, uh, the message there is that they've been talking about Paul's speaking ability, uh, his oratory. It's not nearly as polished and effective as ours. Uh, chapter 12, we're going to see the, the question of who has the best visions and revelations of spiritual experience. They're comparing themselves. We're better than Paul, uh, right? If, if, you're, if you're commending yourselves, you end up doing this comparison game. I can hold my head up high in a room as long as I can look around and feel a little bit better than everybody else uh, in some way or form or fashion. Uh, but but that, that is a, a dangerous and destructive game. Right? One is it always destroys us uh, because even if you end up on that pedestal, you got to stay there. Uh, right? So every, uh, so every moment, every day, every interaction becomes... Well, well uh, it's an advertising campaign. I, I got to advertise myself. Quick, look good, uh, or, or 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 it's a referendum on how good I am, uh, right? So it ends up destroying and poisoning us because as long as my eyes are here, I'm not I'm not on the I, my eyes aren't on the Lord or on the people uh, I'm serving, which is why it's also destructive to us, destructive to the people around us. You see that with these rival apostles, they're so out to commend themselves. In the process, they're destroying the Corinthians. And they're, they're, they're bashing down the spiritual work in them because their eyes are just on making themselves look good. Uh, and, and again, that's the, that's the danger. And the way, we, the way we avoid that is we circle back to what's always our hope, uh, which is Christ and Christ in us. Uh, if, if I'm in Christ, I don't need to compare myself to the person next to me uh, because I'm a child of God, and that's that's... All that really matters. So now I'm actually freed up to serve, right? In our better moments, that's where that's where we come to, and that's where you can come to uh, if you know the Lord Jesus. And of course, you'll 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 get your eyes off, and you'll start playing comparison. 
So you return to Jesus. That's what the Christian life is, all about, all about him. And which is, of course, why, hopefully you've seen this in the midst of it, our only hope is if we know him. Uh, if, if we don't know him, all this, all this hope and all this joy just vanishes. So if you don't know Jesus, there's where you start. You run to him and his, his welcome to you. Um, but one more. Uh, the final parts of our passage, we could maybe summarize it this way. Uh, stay in your lane and strive for fruitful service. Stay in your lane and strive for fruitful service. So Paul has this confidence in the Lord, but it doesn't mean he doesn't strive for big things, right? Those things can go together. Um, but part of what he does is think about where God has him and God has called him. So for example, verse 13. But we will not boast beyond limits, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence that God assigned to us to reach even you. Or go to 15 and 16. We do not boast beyond limit in the labor of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, boasting of work without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. What Paul's talking about is uh, God gave him a, a particular lane, a particular, he calls it an area of influence. He's called to be the apostle to the Gentiles uh, and specifically do that work by, by starting and building up churches in places where there's been no work before, uh, right? And, and he's, he's saying, this is what God gave me to do, and I'm going to strive to be excellent there. Uh, is safe and secure in the Lord. I'm going to strive to uh, strive to accomplish that. Uh, it's the it's the rival apostles uh, who are trying to sneak into somebody else's territory, right? This is the task that Paul gave God gave to Paul. But here are these others. They're the ones who are saying, "Well, I'm going to sneak in and take take this and do this work." And and and, and Paul kind of essentially, you focus on what God gave to you, and I'll focus on what God gave to me. Uh, and, and strive to trust the Lord and be excellent there. Uh, it's this reminder uh, that, that God calls all of us to serve, but it looks different, intentionally, because he creates us different. He puts us in different places, in different seasons, with different gifts. Uh, the, the Corinthians are not going to be Paul, and Paul's not going to be the Corinthians, and that's a good thing. Uh, our, our, our confidence can't come by comparing ourselves with others so, so you, you're not called to compare yourself, how's my service versus theirs? Different. Uh, it's different. And in fact, you're, you're so safe in Christ, you don't need to worry about what other per person is doing or not doing in the Lord. Their calling is different. Uh, so we're freed up to focus where, where God has us. Uh, so so uh, if you're, you know, if you're a, a, a parent, you know, your call isn't to try to think about how someone else is called to parent particular children in particular seasons, you don't have to worry about that. You can see, well, how were the children God gave me? Uh, what's the stage of life? Uh, in your work, you don't have to worry about what someone else, uh, their gifts are. But where has God called me to be an influence in this particular season, with these particular gifts? Uh, or your role in the church, right? Here we are called to the same church, um, but it's going to look different. Uh, and we don't need to worry about what someone else is doing. Um, we can we can focus on what is the Lord opened up for me, what what time and 
opportunity and gifts do, do I have? And then safe in the Lord. Lord, help me to use this uh, boldly uh, and safely in him. Thinking about impact amidst opposition. Thinking about God calling us into places where it's, it's messy. Where it's not everybody loves us and thinks we're wonderful and it's just easy as anything. Uh, but most of life, where God has us, it's much messier. Um, but Paul here, embodying this with his relationship with the Corinthians, uh, provides us with an opportunity to go back to something far more foundational to who we are, which is Jesus. We get to see Christ's ministry to us. Uh, and, and that's our hope. That's where everything else flows from. And that we can see ourselves as those who are opposed to God, but Jesus came to us gentle, yet powerfully uh, tearing down those things that kept us away and drawing us to himself uh, and giving us a, a, a boast, a security and a safety that's not based on who we, what we do or how we compare to the person next to us. It's better than that. Uh, it's all based on him. It all glorifies him. It's no more actually freed up to serve like he did. Uh, not seeking to, to be served, but to serve in his name. And he gets all the glory, and that's our prayer. So let's pray together. Lord, we do pray that you would receive all the glory in your people. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for your mercy, which takes over, uh, which is our theme and our joy and our only hope. Uh, we pray that, that, that each one would know that love of the Savior uh, and would find that boast in him uh, and then live out of that. Lord, help us to do it, to, uh, to embody it to one another and build one another up in love. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.